Welcome back to Beers and Pickskins. This is the NFL episode four of the 2023 season. I'm your host, Mason, joined alongside my co-partner here, Jacob. And let me tell you, it is the eve of the 2023 season kicking off. It is Wednesday when we're recording this. The Chiefs and Lions play tomorrow. So excited to do this episode today and for you guys to tune in. We're to get straight into the action. We're to go over Thursday night matchup and kind of what's going on, what we think. I know Jacob's got some strong opinions about that. I don't know if they're ready for him, but, <laughs> yeah. I, but I got him. <laughs> but he's got him. Um, and then we're going to get into some fantasy. Um, we kind of touched on it last week a little bit. We're going to go over some DraftKings lineup stuff. We're going to be competing against each other this week. So we're going to go over some players that we like and whatnot and what games to look out for. And then we're also going to give our locks of the week. And then we'll wrap it up with a little bit of a beer review and send us on our way into Thursday. Yep, yep, yep. Ready to get us started. Um, ready to get to the beer review. I know we got a nice one lined up for the day. Um, and I don't know if you are. I don't know if our listeners are, but I'm ready to hear my terrible, terrible takes. Yeah, I am also ready to hear them and get into it with you. I'd say um, first thing, obviously, tomorrow is the Chiefs. I believe they're at home facing the Detroit Comeback Lions franchise that's turning around. Um, biggest news out of that is that Travis Kelsey is not looking yeah. like he's going to be playing. He's still list, listed as questionable, but I I mean, there's a reason that they don't pay me millions of dollars, and there's a reason that I sit on the couch and watch the games. However, if it were me and you know, seeing that Travis Kelsey is getting a little bit older and if he's just kind of on the verge, the NFL is not decided in one week like, college football is the the chiefs if they lose one game they're not out of it i would personally expect him not to play uh, i think if he's just kind of on the border i would risk him getting hurt more to where he was out longer i know he's kind of avoided the the longer scarier kind of uh injury i think it's like maybe uh he may play you know he may be out for a week or two i wouldn't risk it um but we'll see. They haven't announced anything official yet. Yeah, no, I think, like you said, uh, kind of the big difference there with the NFL and the college football is like you, it's not made off of one week. Um, obviously, unless it's the very <laughs> last week of the season and there's playoff stuff on the line. But first game of the season, you got, I mean, Travis Kelsey outside of Patrick Mahomes is this team. It's this offense, really. And so uh, I don't think it's worth the long-term risk of him playing in this game and say Detroit comes out fired up and they'd be, they'd be targeting him a little bit, not saying they're trying to hurt him, but you know, you're going to do everything you can to put pressure on that knee and just him in general to make it to where he's not at his best. So I don't know if it's worth it for him to be in this game. So I, I, uh, I mean, that's, that's pretty much the way that you tackle tight ends. You just, <laughs> It just seems to be, you know, you don't have to be Rob Gronkowski. I mean, they all seem to, you know, you're 
a lot of them are six four, six five, you know, two forty something like that. They're big. They're big guys, and seems to be the way that you know you go for their knees. That's the best. This best way, whether it's great or not, you know, it's probably not the best thing on the planet, but it just seems to be the way to go when trying to take down these tight ends. And I mean, when you have a bum knee and that's where you're injured. Kind of risky going back out there. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, if he's not going to be on the field, I know you you've kind of touched on outside of the podcast uh, a few players. Um, who I mean, Tyreek Hill's gone. We know that. Travis Kelsey probably going to be out. Run game uh, is not a fantastic run. It's a pass catching. Rotation of Pacheco, McKinnon, if Edwards Alaire is playing. Who is the breakthrough guy in this game? Yeah, um, you know, another guy. They also lost uh, Smith Schuster to yeah. uh, free agency this year, I believe. He's a free agent. Yeah. Yeah, he was. He was just on the um, Now on the Patriots. Um, I was telling Mason, you know, kind of before we started doing this, one guy I really like um, on the Chiefs, and especially if Kelsey's out, is Sky Moore. I know he had a really pretty solid preseason. I know they liked him. I know they're they're pretty high on him. Um, and and the reason I say that too is because Kadarius Tony is, I believe, he's also questionable. He. I believe he'll probably play. I haven't heard too many concerning things about him, um, but he may get less playing time. I I know that as of now, uh, one day before he is listed as questionable. Um, And I know that, you know, they need guys that are going to kind of fill that role over the middle. Um, And I'm looking at Sky Moore in the slot um, to kind of, just to kind of be that guy, you know, maybe kind of, fill that void on offense, get a couple more looks his way, maybe a couple more passes. And from what I remember of him being in college, very quick, um, a guy that can, you know, make something happen in space, kind of like what they were missing a little bit with Tyreek Hill, um, if my memory serves me correct. And I'm just kind of looking at him to maybe have a bigger week than maybe what people are thinking, especially if, both Kelsey and Tony are out. Um, so I'm kind of looking his way on the chief side of the ball. Nice, nice. Yeah, I think if they get him the ball in space, usually some quick pass, passes, some RPOs, um, he can be dangerous with that speed that he has. Uh, I like, which there are things I really liked in preseason and practice with these, but also I've seen a handful of drops from this duo. But I'm not going to be surprised if Rashi Rice and Justin Ross step up in this game. Uh, bigger targets. That's the thing with this offense is outside of, I think Marquez Valdez-Scaling is probably their biggest receiver high-wise, and he's not like a bulky, strong guy. He's 6'3 and probably maybe 200 pounds. He's a thinner speed guy. Um, I think Justin Ross is a physical specimen who can go up and catch contested balls across the middle. But also Rice was a huge target in preseason. He did have a handful of drops, but he flashed a lot of stuff in the preseason that I liked. So I'm going to be interested to see how much um, 
how many snaps they get on offense and kind of just trending through the first two quarters where the game is trending. Uh, but I'm going to keep my eye on those two guys. A lot, a lot came out about Ross in the preseason. They seem to really like him. I, I know that he kind of um, got very uh, – some major injury in college, uh, tore an ACL, I believe, kind of, kind of set him back a little bit. Um, and so I, I hope that he makes kind of his, uh, kind of a re- revival, uh, you know, on his career. Um, and hopefully he feels at home and kind of finds his home with the Chiefs. I know that they're, even though with how good their offense has been the last six or seven years how great it's been uh they are a little bit uh light on wideouts and playmakers this year you know mahomes of course will find a way to make that not the case um but if he can be a solid guy for them i i definitely think he was that guy in college and uh hopefully he can get back to that form uh on the chiefs here with mahomes yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's going to be a, a fun opening game to watch for sure. Um, on the other side of the ball, with the other team, we have good old Jared Goff out here slinging passes to pretty good trio of, of weapons. Um, obviously, they're going to be missing Jamison Williams, who's serving a suspension, but we get to see the debut of Jameer Gibbs, which seems to be the biggest like Pandora in a box right now when it comes to like fantasy owners and people um, drafted very high. A lot of people have a lot of expectations for him. Uh, a lot of people think he's going to be playing like a Joker type of role, similar to what Alvin Kamara played when he first came into the league. Uh, there was reports today that he mentioned a thousand yards and rushing and 500 receiving was on the table this year for him, I believe. Uh, I'm very much so the kind of person that like I'll believe it when I see it. Um, I definitely think the talent is there. I just they have a, a loaded backfield. I mean, David Montgomery's no slouch when it comes to no, a running not, back. No, he was a very good starting running back for Chicago. So I just I find it hard to believe that he's going to be getting as many touches as people think. Um, I think because it's going to be very important for the Lions to establish the run. Um, I don't think they're going to go out there and beat Kansas City having a throw-off between him and Patrick Mahomes. Um, so I think establishing a run game and you know making a balanced offense is going to be really important for them. And when I think of run game, I think of Dave Montgomery running the ball through the tackles. I don't think of Jameer Gibbs. I think of him as being the pass-catching back, um, even lining up you know out at wide out. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be really interesting with that said – it seems like you got a pretty bold prediction on these lines over here. Yeah, we're we're gonna get into some actual game predictions later, but since we're talking about this already, I guess I'll I'll drop it right now. Later on, we're gonna talk about you know who we like in just in terms of the spread, and then who we like as you know in terms of just an outright winner. I'm going to take the spread on the Lions. They are currently sitting at four and a half points. I'm I'm going to say the Lions are going to cover. Um, I was almost debating on saying that they were going to win outright, and, and I, I may still. We'll, we'll see how that's going to go. Um, 
just in terms of their offense, just one more person I want to shout out, which is Sam Laporta. Mm-hmm. I just it just kind of feels it just kind of kind of feel it in the air that this may just be just like a a starter game for him, just kind of sure. start out really hot. Um, not a huge, incredible, um, you know, talent like a like a Kyle Pitts coming out of college, sure. but but talked about in the category with like Michael Mayer going to the coming from Notre Dame going to the Raiders, uh, just kind of in that area a little bit. Um, and I think with an offense that has Gibbs, that has St. Brown, um, you know, Marvin Jones is back on the team. Um, and with David Montgomery running the ball, I think he has a chance to, you know, maybe not be focused on too much. And I, I watched many Iowa, Iowa games with him and he can definitely he can catch balls. He's used to being targeted quite a bit in that offense like he was. Um, and I think he's a player to watch. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm taking the Lions. I'm kind of on the Dan Campbell train. I think that they can at least cover. I don't know. I may come back on this podcast and look very stupid the, the in next week and the next time that we talk. Um, but one more thing that I wanted to point out, I know that we already talked about Travis Kelsey, maybe not, I'll say most likely not playing in that game. Maybe I'm being like hopeful to, right now. to kind of, you know, make my prediction look a little bit better. Um, as of right now, Chris Jones is still not playing. Yeah. And Chris Jones makes that defensive line so much better. They are, I forget where I saw it, but I believe I saw that they are a top defensive line when he's playing. And when he's not, they are much, they're closer to the bottom of the league in terms of um, how much pass, pass rush they're creating. And also, I mean, he's just a big plug in the middle um, when defending the run. Um, so I think if he's not playing, that could open up a lot more things for the Lions. They may not have to worry as much about, you know, him and what to do with him. Um, and so that's that's pretty much my bold prediction for the week in terms of, you know, all 16 games. I really do believe in the Lions. I believe in Dan Campbell. That's the reason why I picked him to win the win the division. And uh, I think this is going to be a lot closer than people think. I'll say this. As you said, out of all 16 games you had to choose from, you chose this one, which I think I'm is riding with this. One. Week one is I, I one I respect it because it's bold. There is the other part of me that thinks it's absolutely foolish. Like you could have easily gone with another game that's a little more lopsided, but I think nonetheless we're going to be seeing a game that everyone is excited about for many reasons. One of which everyone is ready to see the turnaround of the Lions. Uh, we kind of got to see that sneak peek, and everyone was pushing for that playoff uh, berth at the end of the season, which didn't quite happen. But hopefully they can start it off strong and hopefully they cover. Like you said, um, I don't think they do, but that's not my lock of the week. So, uh, with that said, just watch. No. Okay. I'm going to be watching. I'm going to be watching. Um, but with that said, we'll go ahead and transition into, uh, I'll go ahead and go into the rest of the locks of the week and then we'll go into the fantasy portion. Mm -hmm. Um, so like you said, your lock for the spread 
is you are taking the Lions plus four and a half uh, to cover there. I went a little more, I wouldn't call it easier or conventional. Save. Uh, it is and it isn't, I think. I think there's very two strong possibilities out of this game. So I took uh, Jacksonville um, minus five against Indianapolis for two reasons. One, I am a big believer in Jacksonville this year. I think they win the division to schedule just based on that division. It's one of the weaker divisions. And I really like where Trevor Lawrence is trending and kind of that offense has only gotten better with Calvin Ridley. Uh, not only ETN coming into his own, but they also got Tank Bigsby as a great duo. Uh, defense has gotten a little bit stronger. As long as the offensive line stays healthy, I think, you know, they could easily be in for an 11 win season. Um, with that said, yes, they should win this game against Indianapolis, who seems like they are falling apart from the interior with between the front office and the team. Um, one, they're starting a rookie quarterback. Very rarely does a rookie quarterback. I, I'm sure we could pull up the stats somewhere, but very rarely does a rookie quarterback one come out and cover a spread, let alone win a game or vice versa. in their very first action Two, the best player on that team is not playing Jonathan Taylor. He might not even be on the organization here soon. Who knows what's going to happen. And so to me, I'm just curious as to how the rest of the, the team is perceiving the Jonathan Taylor situation. Obviously, I think it's almost going to be split. You're going to have the guys that are like, it's business. I have my job. I'm going to keep doing everything I can to give my all to this team. But then there's also going to be the teammates that are siding with Jonathan Taylor. and like, look, he is the heart and soul of this team. Like, we need to be paying this guy. Like, what is – maybe I don't want to be here anymore after my contract's up. So I just don't know how motivated the Colts are going to be going into this game. And again, Anthony Richardson, I know he's an athletic freak. Everyone's saying it. They're showing the clips from practice. One, that's practice. This isn't a live football game. Two, I watched most of Florida's games last year. Anthony Richardson's not a very accurate passer of the football. So, uh, And they also don't have the strongest receiving core. Outside of Pittman, there's really no studs there. So I don't, I don't have high expectations for them, especially early in the season. They might pick up as... Richardson gets more snaps and reps, but I think Jacksonville covers this at least by a touchdown. I think they went by seven to 14 points here. Yeah. I, I mean, it's kind of hard to disagree with you. I, I mean, it's only five points, you know, just one touchdown lead. They got it. Um, I will say that if the Anthony Richardson, we'll call it the Anthony Richardson project, takes off and is successful it's still gonna take you know some time for Mm -hmm. that to come into uh fruition um i'm you know not to say that he won't make good throws and that he you know it's impossible for him to you know make some plays out there but i think for any rookie quarterback you know that that goes along with cj stroud and bryce young um who i think will have a little bit better of a start. Um, I I think it's going to take a while for the Colts just based off of where they are now. You know, not even 
considering the Jonathan Taylor news, yeah, I I, I think it's gonna get take a while for them to kind of get back into it and just kind of you know make their way back to where they were hopefully with like the andrew luck days and even the peyton manning days um i think this is a massive rebuild and i don't think it is completed on week one of this season yeah no exactly so those are our two locks against the spread there and then we have our two locks. We did also just we're, every week we'll do one for the spread as well as just an outright winner um, for one of the games. And I chose the Cincinnati Bengals. I am obviously going a little with the Joe Burrow-esque side here. But oh, wait, did Joe Burrow play on the 2019 <laughs> National he did. Championship he did. winning Tigers? He did. Uh, but the real reason is this. The real reason I chose this pick was I, again, I kind of somewhat adopted the Bengals, but they have not beaten the Cleveland Browns in the first matchup that they faced them since Burrow has been in the league. And actually even since like 2017 or something like that, I was looking Um, for some reason they just get their number. And last year, I remember very specifically when they played, like within the first drive or two, Burrow threw a pick six to Denzel Ward. Um, I think, so it's kind of like the boogeyman on their back a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think the reports are all showing that Burrow is healthy. He practiced fully today as of this recording, Wednesday. Full padding and everything, did a full session. I think that they have something to come out and prove to not only themselves, but to the Browns, to the rest of this division, that the AFC North is theirs. There's a reason why they have gone to the AFC Championship the last two years. Um, so I think they kind of finally overcome that battle and they beat the the Browns. I believe they're at home. Let me double check that real quick. Uh, Cleveland is at home. Cleveland's at home. Okay, so even on the road, I think uh, even more so. They need to go into the dog pound, take care of business. It's just one of those games. Division games are so important, especially in that particular division that is so competitive. In theory, you can make the argument for the Browns, but the Steelers, Ravens, and Bengals could all be playoff teams this year. And so getting that first win is going to be really important, and I like them to to win. So I'm locking them in this week. Yeah, I I like that pick. Um I I can't believe that they haven't they're just Owen what do you say? Five, oh and six in the last yeah. meeting. And I think the first meeting of the last like six years or so. Yeah, I think That's part part of that I think is due to the success that they've had the last two years. You don't really think about the losses that much because when you get to the very end all you're caring about is the Super Bowl, right? And so I think a lot of people just overlook that. Um, but yeah, I think I remember that Denzel Ward pick six that you're talking about. Yeah, I, I do believe I recall that. But um, for my game, for just lock, you know who's going to win? Um, I'm taking Minnesota over Tampa Bay. Um, th- there's not a whole lot that's going to go into this. Um, you know, we're in Minnesota. I think you know. Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins are going to start off hot, and they've also have added Jordan Addison, which he's had a very good preseason. 
Um, and I, I know that they liked uh, what they saw out of him in a couple games. Um, and to put it bluntly, I don't believe in Baker Mayfield <laughs> or Kyle Trask either. Whoever hey goes out there. <laughs> hey now. I don't believe in either of them. Uh, I know that a lot of people are high on Rashad White. Um, mostly for fantasy. I Fantasy and actual football are you know a little bit different animals. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't think that there are a lot of people very high on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and I'm not one of them. Um, yeah, I just, I don't see a world realistically where Minnesota doesn't just put this one to bed. I, I think they're going to throw for quite a bit of yards and they're going to just take care of business and move on to one and another. So that's that's my lock win of the week. Yeah, that's that's a pretty consensus pick across the board for the most part. Um, one of the larger spreads at around six and a half to even up to seven points for Minnesota. Um, I, I thought about taking that game. I just, I just, I don't know. I don't know what to expect with Tampa Bay. Not that I think they're going to win this game. Uh, I just wanted to. Uh, avoid it but yeah I think that offense in Minnesota is just too good and that Tampa Bay defense has taken so many step back steps back from that Super Bowl year um, another huge thing for Tampa Bay is they lost their starting center for the year Ryan Jensen so uh, you're putting in a new guy and they already had offensive line issues last year so uh, I don't know what line <laughs> White's going to be running behind uh, I'm not that big on him personally but I, I like that pick a lot. I think Minnesota takes care of business, and I am excited to see not only Addison and Jefferson, but Hawkinson got paid. I'm ready for him to live up Hawkinson to live up to what he's been talking about and all the hype. He's really blown a lot of smoke, so hopefully it's the truth and he comes out with a ten catch game one kind of situation. But I know Kirk Cousins is, in a way, depending on how the season goes, you know, it could be fighting for his job here at the end of the year if this season doesn't go quite the way Minnesota hoped um, hopes I should say. So look forward to them coming out, throwing a lot and putting some points on the board. So that should be a good one. Um, all right. So those are our picks. You got it. Jacob, Minnesota, Detroit plus four and a half Mason, Cincinnati and Jacksonville minus five. We are going to take a quick break here, and then we're going to come back in, and we're going to go over some DraftKings lineup information, some picks we like, some steals, some value plays, all that good stuff for this weekend's main slate lineup, and then we will wrap up with a great beer review. Be right back. All right, we are back from our break. Feeling good, feeling refreshed. Got this beer sitting next to me, ready to get it cracked open here in a little bit. But most important, my favorite part, and what I kind of originally started this podcast about a couple years ago, um, and I can't wait to get Jacob super involved into this by the end of the season. He's going to be a pro, and he's going to be more addicted than I am. Um, <laughs> but we are going to talk about the daily fantasy DraftKings lineups here. Uh, Jacob and I are going to be competing against one another every single week. 
And like we talked about last week, hopefully we can eventually build this out to be not only a contest between just the two of us, but we can create one for the podcast and our listeners and our listeners can also get involved as well. And maybe down the line, monetizing that contest as well. So everyone has a chance to win money every week because who doesn't love money, especially giving it away. Everybody does. Cause I would love to take it. Yeah. Um, and so what we'll do is I'm going to kind of go through real quick. Uh, we're going to be competing every week in the main slate contest, which is only going to consist of the noon, depending on your time zone, the 12 PM games and the 3 PM games. Um, so three, excuse me. So the Thursday night, Sunday night, and the Monday night games are not included on this slate. Uh, fortunately being the first week of the season, we have a very packed, loaded slate, 13 games going. Um, so I'm going to go through kind of the different positions. Uh, we kind of touched on it last week that essentially you have to build out a roster using $50,000 in fake money per se. <clears throat> and you need a quarterback, two running backs, three receivers, a tight end, a flex, and a defense. Um, so very similar to a normal fantasy lineup you would have in kind of a season-long contest. Yeah. But I'm going to go over a few of the value uh, positions or a few of the value plays that I like at each position. Um, and then Jacob will tell you some of the players he likes. And then we're going to talk about one game that you would be interested in potentially in stacking um, where there's going to be a lot of points scored in that game. And then Jacob will close us out with the Monday night action with the Bills and the Jets. And then we'll get to the beer. Sound good, Jacob? Sounds great to me. Love it. So first off, the key to building a successful lineup is finding areas where you can save money. Because um, usually, depending on performance, there's going to be certain positions that are a lot more valued. Typically, in this situation... It's a PPR format, point per reception, um, full point. Running backs and receivers are typically going to be pretty high priced. For instance, Austin Eckler is like $8,400. So that's that's almost 20% of your budget right there. Um, so you got to be kind of careful how you price everything out. With that said, sometimes I like to go after cheaper quarterbacks if I can make it work. Uh, week one... There's tons of those, um, but one that stands out to me, and part of it is because of not only the price point, which is the main part, which saves you a ton of money at $4,900 for a quarterback, which is very low in comparison to 8000 for Lamar Jackson, Right. Um, is Sam Howell, starting quarterback for the Washington Commanders, against at home against the Arizona don't-have-a-quarterback card- Cardinals. Um, I think a lot of people have very high expectations, but um, hopes for Sam Howell. Ron Rivera really likes him. Yeah, I I liked him at UNC. I was very happy with his play there. Um, I love the weapons that he has. I am expecting a huge year from Jahan Dotson. I think he might even overtake Terry McLaurin a little bit. That's a solid duo there. If Logan Thomas stays healthy, they got a two-headed backfield with Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson. I think it's really hard to beat the value that you're getting for a starting quarterback um, at that price point. There's just 
the, the statistical difference in like what a quarterback's going to get you is is not that great. And to save you money to be able to stack receivers at a higher price point or even running backs, because I don't like a lot of the running backs in this slate, um, I think could be a huge asset there. So I love that play at quarterback. Um, with that said, we'll slide over to running backs. Um, like I just mentioned, I'm not very big on the running backs this slate. Um, I don't know if you've taken a chance to look at all the games here. But looking at the prices, looking at the matchups, I'm just kind of skeptical on some of the backs week one. Some of the guys that I might try to target typically are rookies. For instance, Bijan, I he is $8,000 and has never played a game in the NFL. That is the fourth highest price back. Um, he might be amazing, or he might share the backfield 50-50 with Tyler Algier. Yeah. I really don't know what to expect there, so I find it really hard to spend up on a back like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously McCaffrey and Eckler are your top two backs. They're pass catchers through and through, and those are probably going to be good games for them. It's just $8,700, $8,400. It's, I really struggle to spend that much in the first game of the season for a running back. I just need a few games in to see how the team is flowing all together to really pay up for that premium. Um, some of the running backs that I'm targeting that are a little bit lower down price-wise. Two of them in particular. The first one is going to be Kenneth Walker. And I say it with a little bit of hesitation. He is only $6,000. As of now, is the starting running back in Seattle. They're playing the Rams, who struggled mightily last year. Um, The game is at home. It's supposed to be raining in Seattle, which means to me it's going to be more of a run-focused game. So really, I almost feel like you could probably take both backs for both Akers and Walker in this game. But I'm going to go with Walker. Uh, I really like what I saw out of him last year when he was healthy. He's looking fully healthy, um, so that's one back I like. And then the other back that I like is someone, unfortunately, that is playing your team, and that is Javante Williams. Um, I'm looking forward to... Denver getting out there balanced, giving him the ball. He didn't quite get it enough last year. Obviously, he got hurt. Um, but Chandler Jones is missing to be found per reports. He does not seem happy with the team, and I don't know if he's going to be there, which is a pretty big piece on the defensive line. Obviously, they still have Crosby and other pieces, but Denver is at home. It's Sean Payton's very first game. I look for Williams to get really involved in at $5,700. I think that's a, a solid play. Yeah, well, I mean, based off of how I feel when I watch our run defense operate, <laughs> I think that's a pretty good pick uh, for a 5700 I know that a lot of people are pretty high on Javante Williams this year. Um, Denver's been such – has been – so far you know into the committee space for as long as i can remember you know going back to when no sean marino was there when i just around there um but it feels like he's just pretty much the front runner this year he's gonna get the bulk of the carry so i do like that pick even though it is against my raiders but i i cannot deny that well we can't really stop anything (laughs) when it comes to the run or defense in general so I like that pick. Yeah, for sure. Um, And so now we will go into a couple of receivers, and then I know you had one to throw out there. Um, But 
this slate for receivers and price points, that's kind of the, the beauty also of the first week of the season is there's a lot of talent out there that is probably going to be way underpriced going forward in the season. Um, for example, George Pickens is only 5,000, uh, which he is clearly Kenny Pickett's favorite target and going to be seeing a lot of action. Um, so I love that pick there at that price point, being able to save and you know get get a Jefferson, get a Chase, get a Tyreek Hill, um, combining that, and you're still getting a lot of value out of Pickens. Um, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw out a crazy pick here, and it's back to that same previous game, the Denver-Vegas game. And this is bottom of the barrel, punt play, super cheap, $3,000 only. And that is Marvin Mims for the Denver Broncos. Okay. A few reasons here. And now he's going at the <laughs> Las Vegas past events. I am. I am. Um, first off, Jerry Judy is probably not going to play. That's a reality. Tim Patrick is out for the season. So Cortland Sutton, clear number one. Two, outside of that, then you're kind of like, oh, where do we go for the ball? You have Dulcich at tight end, sure. But this is also another reason why I like Javante Williams. But with Marvin Mims, he's also the starting kick and punt returner for this team, which if you score a touchdown there, which he has that explosiveness to do, um, you get points for that. Uh, But two, I think Sean Payton really likes his skill set, putting him in the slot. Uh, KJ Hamler also was out for this game, by the way. So, I mean, they're really low they're receivers yeah. here. Uh, so for $3,000, it's what I like to call a very much so a boomer bust play, but could really vault if you're playing in a paid contest and he does well and he has a very low percentage owned. Like, this could vault your lineup up and win you some money. Um, so I love Marvin Mims. I also think that um, there's a few players in the other afternoon game, which is the Seattle... Rams game, which also has some injuries, which you liked a particular player on the Rams. I did. Um, just coming out, you know, uh, a little bit ago, as we're recording here on Wednesday, Cooper Cup is not playing. He will be out at least for week one. Um, he was currently looking at you were going to spend over $8,000 uh, on him uh, for your lineup. And so I'm looking at who his direct replacement is in Ben Skoranek. Um, He only costs $3,200, so a much, much cheaper option. Um, You could also look towards, you know, other wide receivers on that team. However, even with uh, Cooper Cup on the field in the last couple years, Skoranek hasn't been a you know, an unlikely target for him. He still sees the ball a decent amount during the games when Cup is in there, you know, when he's getting his 12 catches or whatever he's doing. Um, I think Stafford loves him as a target. Um, You know, not for nothing, not to call Matthew Stafford out or anything, (laughs) but he has had reports coming out that he isn't, maybe connecting with the newer players on the team or guys that are new additions, even not even rookies to the Rams. Um, and, you know, Skronik's been there for a few years now, so I'm kind of looking towards him. Um, you know, another option, maybe Van Jefferson, who s- starts opposite of Cup. 
Um, I'm sure he'll get a whole lot of, you know, looks his way. Um, and so that, that's kind of who I'm looking towards. Um, it's, you know, kind of an obvious now, now that, you know, Cup will be sitting out. Um, but great value uh, for how much, you know, cheaper you can get him. And his his productions seemingly, I mean, you know, just naturally, it's going to go way up. Um, yeah, so I, I think that's going to I think that's going to be a great value for him. Um, you know, like you said, it, it is going to rain. Um, but, you know, how, how can you have Matt, Matt Stafford and not throw the football? He, I mean, he's going to be throwing that football and he's going to see Skoranek and he's going <laughs> to go. 14 catches for 180 yards and a touchdown. That you heard it here, folks. Wow. I'm just kidding. I I, I think I wouldn't I think put your mortgage on be, that. I think it'd be a good pickup. You know, more realistically, like five or six catches for, you know, maybe 70 yards, and you know, maybe throw a touchdown in there. Maybe you know, a good week for him. Um, you know, something something in that area. Yeah. No. The the thing with these is you're looking, especially at that price point, only thirty two hundred dollars. The value you're looking to get out of that for that position is, you know, three, four times what they're worth. So, you know, if he's giving you 12 to 15 points, like that's that's definitely paying yeah. off there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely, I think, there's going to be some low, um, low percentage owned there in that game just with there being so many question marks. So that could be a very good play. Um, I also, just based on what I saw in the preseason and kind of he has a very similar game style to kind of Cooper Cup and the way he maneuvers the middle of the field throughout the slot is Puka Nakua, who's also kind of at that same price point, 3000 uh, He's a rookie, but definitely one to keep an eye on there. Uh, so those are some of our picks. Oh, one more is the tight end. Tight end is always the fun one for me. I The way I approach it, uh, which could be different than most because it's so hard to pay up for the Kelsey's, the Andrews of the world. Cause you're basically paying for another receiver running mm-hmm. back. Um, Cause they're, I think Andrews this week is like 6,400, which is crazy. Yep. Um, so I like to, what I call punt the position, which usually is I'm looking for the cheapest option, which is going to save me money. And then potentially that tight end is going to go out give me a couple catches, maybe a touchdown. Um, bottom of the barrel price point for tight ends is 2,500. Um, yeah, maybe like an Adam Troutman who's on the Broncos and is actually above Greg Dolchich on their depth chart right now. So that's that's one play. I, it's not where I'm going. Um, okay. I'm actually not going to the bottom of the barrel, but I've had other sources um, mention that to me specifically because I don't know if anyone's been keeping track of who's on the Broncos roster, but Sean Payton has signed many former Saints players. Um, so there could be... Marquez Callaway, little Jordan Humphrey, Adam Troutman. There could be some guys out there that look a little familiar playing for the Broncos this week. Um, but the pick that I'm actually going to go with, um, which is, yes, a homer pick, but it's, and it's I would say, a little more expensive than I would normally spend on a, a tight end. It's $3,900. Um, but it is Juwan Johnson as you're lipping it over there. Um I I think he's po- posed to have a, a breakout season. He's kind of actually come out and said it as well. He's got receiver skills and a, a tight end body. Um, and I think now that he's got Derek Carr, also this matchup against Tennessee, who 
was last in the league against the pass against receivers last year and 28th against tight ends. That's uh, that's bread and butter. They're great against the run up front, but like through the air, Tennessee struggles. They just they haven't stayed healthy. They've had a lot of holes. Um, I'm really thinking that, frankly, Derek Carr probably has a big day. I'm hoping as a Saints fan, uh, but I think he already has a great connection with Juwan Johnson from what I saw mm-hmm. in the preseason. Yeah, um, had a couple huge catches up the middle, and I think they just pepper that all day long. So I think Johnson could come out with six catches for 80 yards. Um, it's feasible, maybe a touchdown. That was his thing last year. He didn't have a lot of yardage, but he kind of got sneaky with some of the touchdowns. He would have a one, even two touchdown game. So that is my tight end pick of the week. Um, now we're going to talk about the stacking game of the week. Um, stacking is when we're going to take a quarterback and receivers um, from the same team or even both teams in the matchup, a game that we think is going to be high scoring, going to get you a lot of points. Um, I think the clear, obvious choice here is the Miami Dolphin LA Charger game here. You got two high powered offenses going against each other in a dome, no weather issues. I think it's a dome in LA, new SoFi Stadium. I'm not sure. Uh, but it nonetheless, is, but they, they probably won't need it. Nonetheless, yeah. it's California. Um, <clears throat> I personally am more hesitant on the Justin Herbert side of things just because I think the Miami defense in the secondary is a little bit better right now than the Chargers. I was very high on the Chargers last year in their secondary. They lost J.C. Jackson week one. Frankly, the rest of the team just didn't step up to what their expectations and live up to the bill. Uh, I love Tyreek Hill and two a combo here, I think, and we saw it all year last year, you just get the ball in his hands, whether it's screen, um, deep balls. The dude touches the ball about almost 10 times a game, and he can easily take anything to the house. But the beauty of this contest is PPR. So he's getting a point every catch, and I think he's clearly the favorite target for Tua. I wouldn't even be opposed to a double stack with both Tua and Waddle. I know Waddle's been a little bit questionable recently. Um, with some injury stuff lingering, but I double stacked them multiple times last year in multiple games and it paid off every time. Um, and that's just because of the sheer amount of short yardage plays they do with how many times they touch the ball. And like I said, with their explosion potential, they can always take one to the house. Um, so I love Tua and Hill and then running it back with, if you can fit it all into your lineup with Austin Eckler at running back, like I know we talked about earlier, he's very expensive, um, but he's expensive for a reason. Talking about touching the ball, the dude's going to touch the ball 30 times a game. He's probably going to get 15 to 20 carries, and then how many dump-off passes from Herbert. That's his bread-and-butter play right there when things are going awry and not open. He gets, you know, can get you three catches, but he could easily go for 10 catches kind of guy. Um, and he's always the one that's getting into the end zone. So love Austin Eckler in this game. Not huge on the Miami running backs just because it's kind of a committee mess. Who knows what's going to happen there. Receivers for the Chargers, uh, I don't know what your opinion is, but they have so many weapons now. I'm almost – I don't know who I would start. Like you obviously experience and just overall resume, you look at Keenan Allen first. But you bring in Quentin Johnson now and even, you know, you still have Josh Palmer. You bring in Darius Davis uh, – 
Mike Williams is there. I just I'm not confident enough to say, hey, I know this guy is going to get the ball X amount of times, whereas I feel the exact opposite for Miami. Like I know Hill and Wilder are going to be the top two guys. There's really not anything outside of them for the most part when it comes to receivers. I, I mean, Quentin Johnson's right now is three thousand dollars less than Keenan Allen. And yeah. so if you just wanted to take a risk on, hey, I want to save some money here for potentially may even have a better game than Keenan Allen um, because I know they love him out there in, uh, oh, I almost said San Diego, uh, <laughs> uh, Los Angeles uh, over there with the Chargers. So um, I think that's a, I think that's a great pick, you know, possibly, you know, great way to save money and also it might just overall better be the better pick. Um, but I feel that way too. I mean, they've got so many weapons. I mean, with the Dolphins, it's, when it comes down to it, it's basically right now it's Hill and Waddle. That's why you yeah. almost can stack the both of them there um, because they'll pretty much get all of it. And they have had games where they both had around 10 receptions for, you know, and multiple touchdowns or something yeah. like that. So, um, yeah, I I like that. I, I definitely think you're on to something there. I'm going to touch on real quick just the Monday night game. Uh, kind of the same mentality. I'm, I'm going to more base it off of with the Jets, you got Aaron Rodgers, who I think is in an interesting situation. I think he's in a situation where he's got a fresh start at the very tail end of his career. I think he's going to be looking to say, Hey, I can do this uh, mm. outside, you know, Green Bay. And also, I mean, he's going up against the Bills. What better place to show, hey, I still got it. And oh, by the way, they re- reloaded on wide receivers. They've got Wilson, they've got Lazard, they've got, uh, who else they got? He brought his buddy over, uh, Cobb. McCole Hardman. McCole Hardman, yeah. And. Um, you know, and on the other side of the football, I mean, the Bills don't struggle with scoring points, really. Um, and I don't feel like they're going to struggle this year. And I can see very much seeing, you know, this game going into a shootout, just like we've seen with like the Bills and the Chiefs in the past, you know, where it's just back and forth. And just, I, I can see it very much being a, you're not going to outplay me kind of game mm-hmm. between Rodgers and Allen. And that, that just calls for, I ain't retired yet. Kind of. Situation. Yeah. 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 Um, and so I, I think, you know, spending the money on Garrett Wilson will very much be worth it. And spending the money on Stefan Diggs will very much be worth it. Um, and even going after guys, you know, that are a little less, cheap uh you know gabe davis i don't know how expensive he is right now uh it's got the potential uh, to be a a shootout yeah um and and so i i think in terms of stacking if you want to look at a game to stack or you know maybe not even from the same team but just from the same game i think that this is a place to do it um yeah sweet Uh, yeah i I thought I had another point there, and I, I just didn't. Mine went blank, and I was just like, you know, we're just going to leave it on. Aaron Rodgers is going to reintroduce himself to the league. 
love that. We'll put it that way. Nonetheless, we are set up and poised for a fantastic week one. And I hope everyone out there is just as excited as we are. Hope everyone gets their fantasy lineup set up the way they want it. And I hope if you are putting some money on the line, I hope you win some money. Um, But yeah, that's our picks and some things to look out for this week. We are now into the lovely closing section here of the podcast, the beer segment. And yes, we will just kick straight off here. We're going a little little hazy, if you will, this week. Um, Jacob has delivered us a beautiful hazy IPA from a locally brew brew uh, from a from a local brewery goodness gracious get that out um this is called half-life brewed by the manhattan project i know you personally have been to this brewery yes i have and you know we can kind of get straight into it um like mason was saying i have uh i've personally visited their brewery a couple times now um shout out to them they've got a great thing going over there and we can get straight into it what are your thoughts well i am a fan of ipas fun fact that was one of the first actual facts i knew about mason it was when we Um. met and then one week later this man was talking about how much he was enjoying seltzers and so it seems like he was kind of lying to me from day one your palate cannot be trusted your palate changes with experience with age um but nonetheless it is smooth it actually i believe i don't know if i reviewed it on the podcast or not but one of my very first ipas that i got into was another local ipa um here i don't i think it's just called deep ellum brewing company is the name of the brewery um but deep ellum has an ipa uh here in dallas and that was one that i frequented quite often and it tastes very similar um it's actually a little bit lighter to me a little bit smoother Uh, doesn't quite hop as much Uh, but very good it's definitely i think i would enjoy like two or three of these in a sitting like a casual hanging out with friends um very much so as we've noticed through these episodes i'm very into the design of the cans yeah and um you can kind of just use your imagination they're called manhattan project beer well there's just a beautiful little atomic bomb with a yeah if you want to phrase it like that there's a beautiful little atomic well, it's called on Half-Life, the, on, on which I uh, presume is in relation to like Uranium's Half-Life. Like yeah, and, to... and I will say I've had, you know, I've been there. I've had uh, some of their other beers. They're all kind of named sure. with with that thing in mind. Um, uh, also on the can, it looks like it pairs well with Lemon, Sun, and French fries, apparently. I thought that was the flavors. Okay, pairs well. Okay. I mean, I don't know if you can make sunshine a flavor, but... I, I mean, if if there was one, I think I'm tasting it. Yeah, I mean, I am a fan. Uh, I, I think I'd rate it probably like a... Probably like an eight Ooh, or so. Going with the Ocho. I, I've liked most things that uh, they've come out with. I might be a little bit biased since sure. it is in my neck of the woods in Dallas, but... Um, 
I would say it's probably my favorite brewery in Dallas at this point. Okay. Um, well, I I'm, I feel like I'm being a stickler. I'm, I'm going to give it, and it's probably because I just haven't had an actual IPA in a few months. Um, I'm going to give it a seven. Hater. I think that's still a solid score. Hater. Uh, but I think obviously there's always something out there that could, could blow your mind a little bit. But I think it's very good. Something I would definitely order again. Um, I'm glad that there's extra so I can drink them later. Um, but yeah, fantastic beer. Check out the brewery if you're in the, the area here in Dallas, Manhattan Project Brewery Company, the Hazy IPA. And we appreciate everyone tuning in and hope that you have a fantastic weekend watching some amazing football. And we can't wait to recap and check in with you next week. And that'll do it from us. See ya. Like and subscribe, follow all the things. Help us out. We really appreciate it.